Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Right here. The Cheap Heat WrestleMania Spectacular continues. Um, I don't know how many times at this point I've, I've had this guy on the show, but not in this big a moment because um, Seth Rollins uh, will be competing for the Universal Championship tomorrow at WrestleMania. How, how's it going, Seth? Uh, it's going well, man. You know, uh, the energy in New York's really good. It's early in the morning for me. I'm kind of woken up now, but uh, just got done doing a signing at Access, met a ton of fans, and literally every single one of them begged me to be Brock Lesnar and bring the Universal title back to Raw on a regular basis. So that always feels good. What's your What's your number one goal as a performer? I know, obviously, we understand how big the moment is and just crushing it, but, um, you know, Brock has had matches at WrestleMania that have been a mixed bag. There's the Undertaker one, which, of course, is legendary and shocked people. Last year's ending was sort of strange. Like, the feeling in the building was a strange one after Brock's match. But Brock generally, I believe, and I don't think this is, like, uh, 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 uncommon to say, does his best work with guys sort of of your size. Like, I could see you guys having one of Brock's best matches and you guys having a real iconic moment. What's your goal artistically going into a day like tomorrow? Um... I think for me to steal the show, you know, and I think uh, we've got such a cool styles clash with myself and Brock Lesnar. And like you said, he's been tested uh, by guys who are my size. He seems to it seems to bring out the best in him for whatever reason. And so uh, I fancy myself as a guy who can kind of work with anybody. And the fact that Lesnar is one of the best when he turns it on, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think there's such a juxtaposition uh, with him as a champion and our audience really wanting to see someone else uh, that inspires them have that title. So it's going to be an electric vibe at MetLife, and I'm really looking forward to artistically kind of bringing all of that together and hopefully creating uh, an incredible moment. And it must feel like a culmination for you because it's really been a long journey with The Shield and the, uh, the, the reunions and breaking up and the good guy, bad guy, where you are, and this this last year really feels like, and then injury, of course, and this last year, it must feel like somewhat of a culmination, this particular moment. Yeah, it actually feels more like a culmination of my entire wrestling life, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I've been a fan since as long as I can remember. You know, WWE just did a, an incredible piece. Um, I put it out on Twitter the other day, highlighted by uh, some cool music from a band that I really like, and I thought it did a great job of just sort of encapsulating the story and uh, really, really telling the world that every single. Every single step I've taken through my journey in pro wrestling has gotten me to this point, to Brock Lesnar, to the biggest stage in our industry, to the universal title, to having the fan base on my side. It's really a special moment, and I'm looking forward to hopefully hopefully not screwing it up. Does it cross your mind and I, it, to think, like, you, nothing's a given? Like, you don't know that you're going to have another universal championship match at WrestleMania. Do you look at it like that ever? Like, this could be my absolute crowning achievement in the field that I've been going after my entire life? Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting right now in the prime of my career. I had an amazing year. Um, it's hard to... It's hard to be like... 
you know, because there's WrestleMania every year. So you want to be in WrestleMania every year, but you never know where your position's going to be on the card. And like you said, you can't take anything for granted. And, and a good example of that is someone like Roman and his story, because, you know, we talked about it on camera a little bit, but off camera, it was such an inspirational thing because when you go through something like that that's so personal, has nothing to do with the business or anything like that, it makes you understand how precious these moments are that we get, uh, to be WWE superstars, to be on stages like WrestleMania and inspire people and to have moments that inspire us. And so you have to look at the big picture, and Roman did that for all of us, and then it helps you take these small moments and, and make them mean as much as they possibly can. Do you ever um, do you ever watch matches on the network uh, and go back like, around a time like this and get inspired particularly by anything from your childhood, or are you pretty removed from watching old stuff for that sort of inspiration? You know, so with my uh, my wrestling school at Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, part of the gig is tape study, and so we actually went back not too long ago and we're watching some classic matches, and I put on uh, Flair vs. Savage from WrestleMania Eight. And man, what a match. Just two of the greatest of all time. What a story. What a finish. You had Liz. You had Mr. Perfect. You had the whole game. Shane McMahon was out there pulling, pulling that thing apart. Like it was, it was so crazy and it was amazing from start to finish. So that one, uh, just most recently kicked me in gear to kind of get ready for WrestleMania. Where, where is your school? Uh, it's in Davenport, Iowa, where I make my home right next to my coffee shop, actually. So you have a coffee shop and a wrestling school next to each other? It sounds perfect, doesn't it? <laughs> how, how big is Seth Rollins in Davenport, Iowa? Like, what is your life like at home? Uh, the, the nice thing about living there is that um, everyone's kind of used to be by now. So, like, you know, I sort of blend in, which is why I call it home still. So I can go home and relax, and it's nice and easy. Like, everybody knows the school. Everybody knows the coffee shop, and they know Seth Rollins, but they're so used to it by now they don't bother me is the coffee shop wrestling themed in any way no it's not it's it's just a cool little hipster coffee shop that serves great espresso and how often do you are you able to make it home because like from a travel standpoint i can't imagine davenport's the single i mean location wise good what's the but the airport situation can't be ideal i mean there's a lot of connections yeah i'm going in and out of there quite often but you know we get home uh, roughly every week obviously this week we've been here in new york doing this but i i try to get home every week unless i'm out doing media or something like that um but yeah dude it's it's my spot it's my home you know ever there's no place like it everybody will say that about their space but for me what is what's what real quick and i'll let you go i know you have a day full of ridiculous activities but what is davenport iowa like generally never been there um i don't know if i I've been I think I was a state I'm missing period. I've never been to Des Moines. What what is Davenport like though? Uh it's super chill. It, to me it's an it's got enough to keep you entertained for a few weeks and then like if you live there it, you'd be one of those people who's like, oh, I got to get out of here. I got to go take a trip. Give me to New York. Give me to L.A. Give me anywhere. But the fact that I'm only there a few days a week, uh, I never get sick of it. It's got enough to keep me entertained and feel low-key at the same time. There's no pressure, no traffic, no chaos, no people walking around with earbuds in, like just ignoring your presence. Everybody's super cool and down-to-earth, hardworking folks, and it's very easy to just enjoy life there. Are you do you are you mindful of how much you use your phone, et cetera? Your last statement makes me think you're the kind of guy who maybe pays attention to like screen time and how much you're actually doing with your technology. Well, at the end of the day, we're all on our phones way too much. You know, I try to be mindful of it, but I, I, I this part of our our life, it's so ingrained. It's in like an extension of who we are now. So yeah, I, I 
I'm one of those people that likes to be present when I'm in the moment, but I certainly in my free time spend way too much time playing video games or on social media or whatever. Scrolling aimlessly? Yeah, just uh, looking at mentions or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, that's a real dangerous part, by the way, is looking for mentions. <laughs> that's a whole dopamine conversation. Um, excited for you, man. Enjoy the moment tomorrow. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Seth Rollins, ladies and gentlemen. All right, the cheap heat uh, WrestleMania weekend spe- uh, spectacular continues. Um, and now let's do some NXT NXT UK action. A champion. A New Zealand-born champion. Is that correct? Tony Storm is here. How are you, Tony? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. Okay, for the first obvious question, um, your feelings on being so associated now with the UK when you're from New Zealand, do you get any hell about that at home? Um, okay, so it's it's quite complicated. Um, I was born in, in New Zealand, but then I was raised in Australia, and then I moved to the UK about five years ago, so I don't know what I am. <laughs> so, like, it's, you know, everyone kind of, like, has claimed me a little bit, I guess, but, um, yeah, the, the UK have, like, kind of adopted me as their own. <laughs> well, so you already start out in a place of controversy too, because New Zealand, Australia is such a thing. So how did so how did that end up happening? And growing up, was that a thing? Period. Being from New Zealand and living in Australia. Yeah, there's like a bit of a rivalry there for some reason. That always has been. But when I was four, the whole family moved to the Gold Coast in Australia, and I was always the Kiwi kid. And then you know, if I was to go back to New Zealand, I'd be the Aussie kid. And when I go to England, I'm, I'm like, you know, people think I'm super Australian. Now when I go back to Australia, everyone thinks I'm so British. And I just, I'm so confused. I have, I'm having an identity crisis. <laughs> completely caught in the middle of all of different cultures. This is, the, this is the life of someone who's like, you know, multinational. Um, so, and then when you're here, you're so far from home, home. Um, is that part hard? And where is your actual family right now? Are they in Australia still? Uh, they they recently moved over to the UK, but they're going back now. So I've got I had a little bit of time to like, I got to spend with them for a while. But um, I'm I've gotten quite used to the distance. Um, I've spent about five years like with only seeing my my mum and my sister just kind of here and there when I can. Um, yeah, it's it's quite rough. Like that's the hard part about it. And I don't exactly know where to call home. Like home home. Um, but I'm based out in the UK, and I love that. But you know, I, I never quite. I'm I'm a bit of a nomad. I never quite know. Like, you know, next year I could live somewhere completely different. I just I'm not settled anywhere. <laughs> All right, not to get totally deep. Well, how old are you, by the way? Twenty three. Oh, you're very young. Okay, so yeah, I wonder if one sort of gets caught up in the I like nomad thing, and if at some point then it becomes even harder to then settle and be like, I'm just going to live in blank, particularly when you don't have a place that is your, like, set home. Yeah, I, uh, that, that's always been quite weird for me. Like, on top of living in the UK, I also spent, like, two years on and off living in Japan. So it's, yeah. For wrestling? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, like and it's, it's strange because if I'm in one city for too long, like, if I'm in the UK for, like, two or three months straight, not going anywhere else, I start losing my mind a bit. So in the past, I would like, I'd lose my mind in one place. I'd go to Japan. I'd lose my mind there and have to go back. Like I can't settle in one place for too long. Otherwise, I feel like something's wrong because I've always moved around too much. Like even in Australia, my family, they would constantly like just move around, move house. And where, where is it? Working NXT UK, where in the UK are you exactly? Uh, I live around Liverpool. 
So. Okay, so that's pretty cool. And you get to be in a place that has stuff. And I don't know, Liverpool seems more exciting than Orlando. All due respect. Is that, does that work out better for you though, that the way things have evolved for you to make your dreams happen? You didn't have to go move to Orlando, but get to be in England? Yeah, well, I originally moved to England because I was, I had the opportunity to go and stay there with my grandmother who lives there. So I was like, right, I'll go check it out. And I was meant to stay three months and then that turned into three years and then I just, I didn't end up going home and I just kept traveling around the place. But, um, I, I've, I've fallen in love with the UK though. Like I really do. Like, I reckon it'll be like end up where I eventually do settle. Um, but yeah, I love the area that I live in as well. Like Liverpool's amazing. So I'm really lucky in that sense. So how did you become such a, I mean, such a wrestling fan? It's funny because the Tony Storm character is cool. And you obviously must be the world's biggest wrestling dork to have gone on the mission that you have around the world. So how did how did that start for you? Oh, I guess I was like I was like ten when I I absolutely fell in love with wrestling. I was kind of like one of those lost kids that just didn't really. I, I was just kind of looking for something to cling to, and you know, like for the most part, like you know, when you when you don't have like anything to cling to, a lot of people turn to like. You know, like the bad crowd, you know, they, they kind of go down that way. But luckily I had wrestling and it kind of saved me. And I started when I was 13 and it, it just kept me out of trouble, really. Like, but I'm, I am the biggest wrestling nerd. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, I have to watch every single DVD ever. Um, and just, yeah, I've, I've. What era did you end up falling in love with? Cause let's be totally honest. Hold on. You're only 23 years old. You're saying you were head over heels. 10 years ago so that's only 2009 it was not the best time in wwe history like it was sort of a lullish spot when you go back and look at everything that's happened what a who from that era really drew you in and then when you started doing the deep dive what era did you get into um jeff hardy was a big one for me i was i just i was obsessed with the hardys um and then like I would, I would only get to watch wrestling sometimes because I was, like, in Australia and it was on, you know, like, I could watch it, like, once a week. And then the rest of the week, well, I would just, you know, I'd go to, like, like the like video shops, you know, like DVD stores and, and hire just, like, old wrestling DVDs. And I'd go, I liked, like, the early 2000s kind of stuff. Like, I really enjoyed that. Um, I just kind of, like, got my hands on any kind of wrestling content I could um, and, and would just kind of study as much as I could. Um, but like I, I change all the time which era that I like the most. Like I can't, I can't decide that, and I can't decide where I'm from. So yeah, you're very confused. You're generally a confused person. Um, <laughs> do you um, have a plan? Like I guess you can't really have a plan when you're in in this company. The the way the build happens and the ascent happens is the way that it happens. But do you have like target goals or anything like that? Or are you just happy with where you are? Well. The one thing that's always stayed the same, like, like growing up, like, I nothing has ever stayed the same for me. Everything's, like, uh, you know, quickly changing and evolving. But the one thing that I've always wanted is to headline WrestleMania. I want to become one of the biggest stars of all time. That's I, I hold that very close because that's never changed inside me. Like, that's always been the motive, and and I know I know I'll never change my mind on that. So yeah, I find comfort in knowing that that's what I want. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think, and that's one of the things that makes this weekend cool. Is it because it now all of a sudden feels sort of realistic? Um, being the wrestling nerd that you are, does that affect who you would be most happy with having the title at the end of the women's match on Sunday? Oh, 
See, I don't know. I'm just thrilled that women are main eventing, to be honest. Like, at this point, like, you know, obviously I want to see Becky with the win, but I'm like, wow. Like, look how far we've come. Like, when you take a step back, you're like, oh, my God, women are main eventing WrestleMania. This is insane. Like, this is unheard of a few years ago. They would, would never would have thought this would be a thing. And now it's happening. And now that just means that my dream is obtainable. And I'm just so excited. Like, I, I never, I would always go, you know, I want a headline WrestleMania. And I'd say that as a kid, but in the back of my head, I was like, well, is that even possible? But now it really is. And it's it's getting real, you know, like, <laughs> it could happen for me. It really could. You know, it, it, it's pretty amazing. Um, uh, one person that you've had a, a lot of interactions with uh, is Rhea Ripley over the last several months. Um she is a, you two appear to be two of the breakout stars from NXT UK. Um, a, are you guys close? And B, do you feel in some ways joined on this journey because you have a story together and you're both in an important spot in NXT UK? Well, hell yeah. Like, we've had our three matches. We've put, we, we've put our differences aside. You know, like, we can move on now. And, you know, I, I think she's great. I really do. We're very competitive when it comes to, you know, like, you put me and her together, we're going to compete because we're two young up-and-coming stars, and we're going to try and, you know, like, no, I'm better, no, I'm better. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've I've got a lot of respect for it. We go back a long way. Um, you know, like, it's crazy, like... To, How far back? Um, I met her, I'd say I was about 16 when I met her. She would have been 15 um, in Australia. So, yeah, I've known her for quite some time. And then, you know, I moved away to the UK and I didn't see her for a long time. And then we just kind of met back in NXT UK and I was like, oh, wow, look at you. <laughs> yeah, small, small world. Um, well, listen, Tony, thanks for making time. I hope you enjoy, get to enjoy the weekend. Are you done? Have you already done matches at Access or do you have more work to do? Um, I've, I've been on Access this morning, uh, but there's going to be more to come this weekend. <laughs> All right. We'll try to get some rest and get to enjoy the whole general vibe. But good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Tony Storm, ladies and gentlemen. Day two of the Cheap Heat Spectacular continues. SUG, how are you? I'm doing great. You've Happy made your way. You've made your way all Finally. the way. From, are you in Harlem? Are yeah. you staying home? So you made your way all the way from Harlem. Were you with Harlem Heat? I was not. You know, I, I went back looking for them. They still, still didn't find them. They still haven't made their way to 110th Street. Well, one man who, had, who, who has never been to Harlem is Vic Joseph. I, what do you mean I've never been to Harlem? Tell me what you've done Set in Harlem. Set the record straight. Set, Set the record straight right uh, now. Well, I've never been to Harlem, so I guess he's <laughs> not lying to you. I've never known you to be a liar, by the way. Thank you. I've always known you to tell the truth. That's right. Be upfront and let everybody know your honest opinion. Okay, and it's okay. So let's not even waste any so, time. Yeah, what? He has no interest in talking wrestling. Right. Just go ahead and tell us how happy you are about Odell Beckham Odell going to the, the Cleveland Browns. Baby. I wish I could play you the voicemail the Miz left me, but I can't unless oh. you can actually you know censor it all. It's cool though, right? Uh, I mean, how do you feel, New Yorker? Losing Odell back. Well, you're a Giants fan, correct? I am, and we're hurt by it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm a Redskins. I'm a Redskins. That's fan. right. You are a Redskins. Absolutely fan. ridiculous. Yeah, Giants. You don't like hurt. the haul you got back, the 17th overall pick? No. Peppers? I mean, he's a good safety. <laughs> <laughs> no, be serious. Is Peppers? They they're trying to act like Peppers is a legitimate fill-in for Landon Collins. So I, I, honestly, he's a step down. I'm a big Peppers. Fan. I was a big Michigan fan. I'm one of those Ohio guys that likes Michigan. It's I'm one of the bad weird guy. Ones. You're a bad yeah, guy. Bad, I'm a bad guy. So when they drafted him, I was like, oh, awesome. Because he was like a hybrid safety linebacker. Right. His first year with the Browns, Greg Williams had him playing like 30 yards back away. By the like way, I forgot, I forgot to warn our audience. 
This guy okay. goes deep on football. Yeah, okay, anyways, like so the first year you can't judge him from his stats. Last year you can judge him. He made one play in my eyes that was a game changer. That was against the Denver Broncos where he had the sack that basically won the game, sealed the deal. Besides that, he's, he's, he's not letting That's the it. They tried to get him to return kicks. He couldn't do that. They tried to get him to return punts. He couldn't. As a matter of fact, he fumbled the football, which lost him a game on a punt. So hopefully he does well for you guys. I don't wish him any ill will. And you're happy to have Odell. Very happy to be. have Odell. Um, now, Vic, what's, what are your jobs this weekend? Uh, a lot of NXT UK? We had a, a NXT UK, which airs on the WWE Network. Wednesday's 8 o'clock. Uh, WWE. Good show, by the way. Thank and, you very and, much. And it, do you, it's a different feeling show. Yeah. Like, it doesn't it kind of feel like you're calling like an indie show it, on the WWE it's, Network? It's different though, right? Because you think Raw Smackdown, then you think 205 Live is your athleticism, NXT's that underground niche, and then you have NXT UK, which is a different style because it's British wrestling. It feels more it, technical. It, it's way more technical. And then you have a guy like Nigel McGuinness sitting with you where you're like, hey, hack, let's break this down hack. X, Y, and Z. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. It, it's definitely different. I, I, tell, I, I was just joking. I absolutely love Nigel. Um, what sort of wisdom does he give you on a week-to-week basis? I don't mean wrestling. I mean life. Nothing about life. I actually introduced him to a lot of terms. No, you don't. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, by the it's, way, it's great. I tried to interview Vic, and now they're telling me to cut you off because Daniel Bryan has shown up. Okay, oh, well, you know God. what? He's the WWE champion. Okay, so you don't feel Daniel bad about Bryan, this. And we can just edit this all together later. All right, cool. All right, <laughs> all right let's. Vic Joseph, yeah, we got Thanks, guys. Hey, that's Vic Joseph, ladies and gentlemen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we continue on. We have Daniel Bryan joining us on the Cheap Heat Podcast. We just had a very impassioned interview. Yeah, I mean, incredible. It was not Brian Daniel. I didn't see Brian Danielson anywhere. I, Daniel Bryan fully with the new. That was the first time I've met the new Listen, Daniel Bryan. You interviewed the old Daniel Bryan a lot. Yeah. And people like those interviews. Sure, <laughs> they loved do. them. They feel like, oh, yeah, oh, he's very candid or he's this or he's that. But do you know what the old Daniel Bryan did? He He just put out the good stuff. Right? He was just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm kind of an environmentalist, and yeah, people should do their part, and uh, yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. No. The new Daniel Bryan, he tells people, listen, we need to make change. By the, and do you about, know what? You as individuals need to make change, and we systemically need to make change. By the way, be honest. How close is you at home to this as crazy as you are on these subjects in the rain? I would almost say that my wife would say that I'm crazier at home than I am. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I'm not allowed to talk about on television. And it's weird because if you notice the last several months, I haven't said much about the environment because they have told me I am no longer allowed to talk about the environment. Why? Because they say that the environment is a political issue. Do you know what? The environment is not a political issue. It's a scientific issue. And saying it's a political issue makes it stupid. What an idiotic idea. I was going to ask what, what it is about what you have to say that you think people don't like, but I think you just answered that question. That well, yeah, and here's the, here's the thing. Do you know what people don't like? They don't like it when you tell them that they need to change their lives, right? We're here at Access, right? Oh, Access is incredible. Oh, what an incredible thing it is for people to be able to come and buy all this WWE merchandise. How incredible it is for all these people to spend all this money to come buy more things. So I'm going to spend money. I'm going to pay for a ticket purely so I can come and buy more things. Like, that's, that's crazy. All right, last question, SGJ. We're getting wrapped. In in that vein, I have to ask, your new championship, you made it from all sustainable materials. Yes. And now I see in the store they have replicas of that title going for above market on the rest of the championships. How do you feel about that? 
uh, I'm disgusted. <laughs> okay. I am disgusted by it. Do you, and, and do you know what? So I made that title. I made one title. I have carried around that one title, despite the fact that some of the stones that I I got some of the stones myself. I picked them myself out of Puget Sound and put on that title. Despite some of those stones falling off, I have kept that same title this whole time. Made of hemp and naturally fallen oak. And they go out there and they replicate it and sell it to people for what? I heard it was like $5,000. I, I don't that's think that's right. That's, that's, about that's about accurate. There's a, there's a $5,000 deal. All right, listen. I'm being told you got to go. I love you. You're out of your mind. Have fun tomorrow. I save will. the world, Daniel. And save the world. Well, and, and, but before we go, there's all these people who are expecting Kofi Kingston and I to have a great match. I'm out here telling everybody right now, there will not be a great match. In fact, I won't, I won't, don't be shocked if it's the shortest match in WrestleMania. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 18 seconds, 17 seconds, 13 seconds. Hell, it may even be three seconds. I might be able to tap him out in two seconds at WrestleMania. All right, you heard it here first. It might be the worst match that people think in WrestleMania history. And I don't care because I'm not out there to be Mr. WrestleMania All right. like Shawn Michaels. I am out there to save the planet and be WWE champion Thank forever. you, Daniel. Thank you. WrestleMania is here. Finally, it is tomorrow, and it has been a long build for Becky Lynch. How are you? I'm good. Uh, let's go back to. I haven't seen you in months, and the yeah. and there were two conversations that I remember that we had. One at SummerSlam. Yeah. When you told me about like some personal life changes and changes you were making physically and like things you were really working on, and then a few months later. Things had already started to develop, and I then didn't see you again, and now here we are. What has, take me back SummerSlam to now, what has it, this process been like? It, it's been, uh, it's been unbelievable. It's just, it's, it, it's really been uh, a lesson about ownership, you know, about owning yourself, owning your spot, taking uh, ownership of what you want and, and, and how you're going to get it. And uh, I don't think anybody could have anticipated the rise and the reaction being like this. Um, Did the SummerSlam moment make you think, like the reaction in Barclays Center when you turned on Charlotte? Yep. Was that an... Was that an indicator that this could become really big? Or was it just like, that was a cool night, we'll see what happens? No, I knew then that it was going to be something huge. I knew it was going to be something huge. Because there was that, just that thing in me that always wanted to, to bust out another level and another layer. And uh, uh, it, it just gave me that freedom to, to be whoever it was that I wanted to be and take whatever it was that I wanted to take. And I, I don't think people realized that it was going to get this reaction. I think people thought it was going to get booed. And I was not. And uh, in fact, it was the opposite. And it's it's just been a groundswell of support since then. And of course, there's um, with that there's there's more critique critics and everything like that. But it's all part of it. And really, is is that a thing? Because I feel like it's been a love fest for you since. It's been a bit of a love fest. Ah! <laughs> Where's all the criticism? There's a few. There's a few, but there, you know, there's always going to be more opinions um, surfacing. 
but but either way, it's I feel like I'm doing my thing and I'm enjoying the hell out of it and making history tomorrow. Yeah. So I mean, listen, I'm not. I what I, what you're not going to get from me is tell me what it's about to be in the first women's main event. We we all know we the all magnitude know if if you love this business of what that means. For me, it's more interesting about you specifically because you're the first SmackDown Women's Champion. And then, I'm curious the life lesson that came here in terms of patience, right? You're the first SmackDown Women's Champion, and then go back a year and change, being totally blunt, you're middle of the pack, sort of, you know? Becky Lynch is beloved, and I'm sure when you did signings, kids loved you. But on a week-to-week basis, you weren't necessarily involved in everything. What did you learn during that period, and did did you have to really... Be patient and think about that specifically. Yeah, well, I learned that uh, some some people are, are going to get chosen, they're going to get picked, and they're they're going to get pushed. But wrestling is like this, right? But uh, what you have to do is, again, like I said, take ownership of stuff, like because. I kind of approached everything like as if it was a campaign, right? Like I had to get the people to elect me to the main event. So anytime I could use my voice, um, like Twitter or, or YouTube or, or Instagram or whatever it was, to just get my message out there. Um, but what we've seen is the story. Like and, and I couldn't have gotten this without telling the story of the of the middle of, of that the time. road. You know what I mean? We needed that. So it's all it's but that's all life too. That's not just in storytelling, right? Please. It's all been just one journey that the audience have been with me since the beginning. And I think that's why it resonates so much. And that's why there's been this pop and this and um, it's it's like that saying like I'm an overnight success after seventeen years. Right. Which is exactly how it feels, you okay, know. Last thing I know you gotta go. I don't believe no matter what you tell me that it doesn't the results matter tomorrow. I, I believe the result matters. I believe for wrestling fans, for true hardcore fans of WWE, you, or Charlotte, but you most specifically, lifting the title means a lot. Does that mean a lot to you specifically? Oh, 100%. 100%. I think it's the message of separating yourself from the pack, going after what you want, and, and not being complacent with where other people put you, and having a, a higher vision for yourself, going after that and knowing that you can achieve it. That's that's the message here. And if, if if that doesn't happen, then I feel like everything I've said is a lie. And I, I ain't about to make a liar out of myself. I knew you'd have a good phrase there to wrap that up. I'm very proud of you. Congrats. Thank you. Enjoy tomorrow either way. Becky oh, Lynch, headlining WrestleMania, main eventing tomorrow. Becky Two Belts. Becky walks in as Becky No Belts, walks out Becky Two Belts. Two titles. All right, well, um... Daniel Bryan was interesting. Yeah, I, I would say incredible. He was he was on one. I didn't have the heart to tell him who I was rooting for. <laughs> no, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean either. I, I tried to. Yeah, it was. But good news is Vic Joseph's back. Thank you guys for allowing me to come back and sit down. Welcome I appreciate back. it. You would assume that you had something to do today and would be busy and maybe not able to just keep sitting with us. I just been hanging around to get back in this seat. You know, I understand it's Daniel Bryan, the WWE champion, and. And you know your place still. I absolutely know where my place is. That, I gotta tell you, that's the first thing I respect about someone is when they understand, you know, it's not always your time to shine. Nope. Just, I just stood behind you, looked at the back of your, you know, your beautiful bald head, <laughs> and, 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 and waited for my next opportunity to shine. And you're back. And I'm right here. Um, 
Tell everyone a little bit about the story of how Vic Joseph ended up at WWE because it is an interesting one. It is actually quite interesting. So I was with uh, I was doing baseball at the time and met Rhino. When you were doing baseball, what do you mean? Cincinnati Reds affiliate stuff, uh, games, in game media days, yeah, uh, Dayton Dragons. Any you particular know, team or was it like MLB Network? No team. Reds, Pacific Reds affiliates, Reds, you know stuff. So I met Rhino, and I had an interest in sports entertainment, wanting to learn about it. So listening to him, I finally reached out to a local Ohio promotion, which just happened to be the home of the new NXT champion, Johnny Gargano, who wow. legitimately is one of my best friends. I was in his wedding. I mean, legitimately, we're... Sad for Gargano. Sad. Okay, cool. So since then, you know, and getting to learn the business from him and Rhino, and Rhino just said, come with me. When you're not doing games, you're not working, travel with me. Make the towns. So I would fly to wherever he was, drive with him. You were his young boy. Essentially, yes. I did not <laughs> want to say it that way, but throw it out there, and I guess I'll grab onto it. You know, I slept on the floor, drove. We just talked about a story where I drove my car. He used to tell me, you have to keep the car clean. It's your home. Three days went by after our, our trip, and I was like, what is that smell? Like, it was nauseating. He left a half-eaten piece of tilapia underneath oh, the seat. No. So, no yeah. Why tilapia? Huh? Why tilapia? Boiled tilapia. Not grilled, not boiled. And he's the same man who told you this. What month was this? Because I have the. Uh, like this was so it would have been June. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, it was summer boiled tilapia. Not that bad, but the car just no, making it was, summer heat. Oh, yeah, so it, what it did he bad. have you start doing for this promotion? I would just I'd go with him, and he just introduced me, and I would just learn. It wasn't until uh, meeting Tommy Dreamer I got involved in House of Hardcore, which is really where I ended up getting my first opportunity to call matches. So a lot of people have different paths on indies wherever they worked. That was my path. To eventually get here, along at the same time, Cleveland Browns cover uh, CBS Sports, uh, doing stuff with ESPN even in, in Cleveland, and all those other you know things. Cleveland Browns, Cavaliers cover the World Series, the Olympics, um, NASCAR events, uh, anything I, I had done it all to get to the WWE, all to get here, and then I, I had an opportunity and signed in January seventeenth. So in when you met Rhino, were you like a childhood super fan? Not of Rhino, my brother was. But no, of wrestling. So of wrestling, yeah. I, you know, because you don't, in our time getting uh, to become friends over the last couple of years, you very much, you know, have gotten used to it and do not carry yourself like super fanboy. Well, because he's a professional. No, That's, I, well, I, I, I know, and I, know. I, I, I don't like acknowledging that, but he yeah. is a professional. Yeah, Cleveland I am. No, no, he's a real broadcaster, you know, a professional, an actual journalist. Yeah, thank you, a real journalist. Thank you. Uh, no, no, and uh, no, I knew who he was, and I. Re- Respected what he did, and I know the history. And yeah, I was a, I was a fan. Well, who was your fa- who were your what was your favorite stuff growing up? Uh, Shawn Michaels was one. Always, always my uh, one. Well, Greg. Well, yeah, uh, this interview is over. Yeah, his Shawn Michaels was one. Uh, the first that uh, what hooked me into wrestling, and I'm hoping to get a chance to tell him this story was uh, Bret Hart. Yeah, we all right. We back, and now we're back. That's that's. <laughs> see, you, you leave him. No, no, no. Let me bring you back in here, young man. Let me bring, let me let me hook you real quick. <laughs> Uh, 1994, he was WWF champion. WWE By the champion. way, if you notice me looking off, I just yeah. want to be honest and clear. You're and waiting to find my replacement. I'm to seeing if there's anyone seat. better to come in awesome. and talk. But, but keep gonna, going. I want to hear the Bret Hart story. Well, I'm definitely going to scuff your shoes on my way out. <laughs> so, uh, 1994, Richfield Coliseum, no longer there, was where all the, the first that was Survivor a regular, was. a very yeah. regular venue at the Two, time. Uh, three of the first four Survivor Series were Richfield Coliseum. Again, this is the nerd coming out. He comes out of the ring. What did he always do? 
Give away the glasses. And I got his glasses. My very Are first you event. Serious, Greg? Bro, I still and now have I'm going again. I, I, Greg, yeah. how do you even deal with knowing that Vic Joseph has a pair of worn? I, bre- I have them in a shadow box in my office. That's amazing. And I've never told him that story. And uh, T, uh, TJ and Natty know the story. And last night I was. And so my second favorite superstar, by the way, is, is Edge. So yesterday he and I got to hang out, and I said, "What hey, kind man, of American are you? What's what we talking about? Sean love- Michaels is from Texas. You don't get there more. You, all right, you know what? There you go. You didn't say Sean was number one, though. Sean is number one. He's well, the guy. But Brett and Edge, a two and three, a Canadian. It kind of bounces yeah, out. It does. And yeah. then Kurt Angle, probably four. It doesn't get more American. Than the, uh, more American Olympic. Than there you go. That's an American. That's an American hero. Yeah. So you have? Are you going to tell Brett this weekend? If I get an opportunity, I've been told by Natty, by Edge, by T. It, you, you have to tell him. So. If I get an opportunity, I'm hoping he, you see him walking in. So that would be like a moment right now. On, on Dude, that would be so. Is he doing access? I have no idea. I, I don't know, but that that would be uh that that's that's what hooked me into this. Um, no, you can't get a referee. Don't no, 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 no. It's actually <laughs> no. I see one of the merch guys. Cool. I was awesome. I was thinking. Great. Dude, so that's an amazing. What match was it for Brett? He was taking on Mr. Hughes. He was the WWE WWF champion at the time. Main event. Came out, didn't I? Looked at my dad. My dad had told me that we were going to an ISDA meeting, Italian Sons and Daughters Association of America. He went really oh in, dude. That is so cool he that he really did that. Into this, I had dressed in a sweater and everything. You're joking, dead serious, dude. 100%. That is so okay. Hands of God. How old are you again? Right at the now, time, at the time, I was. So that was ninety four. So I was eight nine. So so oh, at, you were eighty five. I was yeah, born eighty five. So eight eight nine years old. So at what point do you realize? We're not going there. We're going to the arena. I vividly remember this. We walked. We pulled in. I didn't know what the Richfield Coliseum was. I had no idea. I saw all these cars. Oh, a lot of Italians <laughs> in Cleveland, Ohio. Which is we, a safe assumption, though. Yeah. Like, Italians we, find each other everywhere. We walked in. He's he's holding my hand. I can't see the merch. I'm not looking for that. I'm thinking, oh, Ital- you know, we're going to this thing. And we walked through the curtain and looked down, and I saw the ring. And I looked at my dad, and he goes, come on. And... It's, it's, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it. I mean, it was pretty cool. Walked down the steps, sat down front row, and I was like... And he got... Fr- Dude, I got to tell you... Macho Man's is back. This is I don't know about Man you, but he, he surpassed my father's greatness. Oh, I, no, I didn't want to do that to you. That is, no, it's done. It's done. Like, that is... You're, yeah, he yeah, never did anything no, like that no, for you, did he? No. That is such wild. a thoughtful move, though. Like, one thing I hope to do one day when I become a father is have that move or like... You randomly play hooky. Kid thinks he's going to school, and you go do something awesome instead. Yeah. And I've, I've never forgot. It's 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 a reason why I'm here. I, I fell in love with it that night. Like I was saying, a Macho Man was on the car. He backed up to us. And I did one of the quick. I got to touch him. You doing it? There it is. And backed up. And so those are things that you remember as a kid. And then growing up, I was there when Vince McMahon announced he bought WCW, which was in Cleveland, Ohio. Fast forward 14 or 15 years, I'm calling main event in the arena. On the anniversary of that, and I looked over to where I was sitting. No joke, hand to God. There's a Vic Joseph sign. I have a picture of it. Oh my God! A kid holding a Vic Joseph sign. Who actually, if you find Nigel McGinnis, ended up finding him, put him in a headlock. You know, because he wanted to see. Is that a? Re- Are you related to him? He's like, no one believed there was a Vic Joseph. sign. Wait, so here. it was just a kid who knows that you're from there and was showing love from Cleveland always, and and it was weird. It was on the anniversary. I looked over. I was like, oh man, I was sitting right there, and he just saw this rise up Vic Joseph sign. I go, so you, you got know what's to be kidding happen. me. In like 20 years, you're going to be calling a match with that kid. Uh, maybe. Full yeah. circle. Now, I, this is a sort of interesting question. What's it like being a part of this, uh, an integral part of it, growing? Obviously, you're still on your way up the ladder. 
Um, but even I, I would pose the same question to Tom too. You know, being play by play is interesting because you're on TV, you're a part of the show, but you're not treated in the same way as the superstars are. I mean, hell, their name is Superstar. That's right. built into what they do. Yeah, I mean, we have superstar pages. And we have our own. Studio. Oh yeah, there you go. But no, it, you're, you're right. It's like when you call uh, a, if you're thinking of Cleveland sports radio, gentleman named there is Jim Donovan. He's the radio play-by-play voice of the Browns. Has been when they moved all of it. But when you see him out in a crowd, you might not know who that is. But then you see the third-string fullback, and like, oh my gosh, I got to go take a picture. You know, it's different though to a degree because there are fans in the WWE universe that are like, oh my god, that's Tom Phillips. It's Vic Joseph. That's Michael Cole. Right, because they're, they're like, so in on the whole thing. They, they, they get it. it. It's not different to me because it's cool when you get that moment and you have someone that's like, hey, man, I enjoy your work, or you get a tweet. And, and you know more than I do when it comes to social media. People are hard. And when you get a lot of nice things sent to you, whether it's a U.K. show, or it's cool. And then you also get the benefit of getting to go do things and move around like a normal person, too. Yeah, you're in and out. No Which these one, superstars don't. Maybe a little bit different during WrestleMania. You know, WrestleMania yeah, yeah, not week, this week. But right. in you know, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, no one's going to know you. Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Like if you, you want to go out to dinner afterwards and you're, have you're, a couple you're beverages, you might you're have good. a person go, "Hey, Vic, you're like, hey man, what's going on?" But not if you were Roman Reigns. If you were, you know, even Johnny Gargano, we brought the Miz. You know, those guys they go back to the hotel. What's know? uh, what's the ultimate goal for Vic Joseph? So it's it's weird. My goal in life was to call a match at WrestleMania. I accomplished that last year. I'm calling the cruiserweight match this year at WrestleMania. I thought about it the other day with Johnny. My goal now is to call Johnny Gargano's match at WrestleMania, and hopefully it's a WWE Championship match. So that that's like a bucket list item. That's now my goal is to do that. Do you still have sports aspirations? If the Browns got to a Super Bowl, I'd love to be a part of the broadcast team somehow, but for the most part... This is all I've ever wanted to do. I have no thoughts of wanting to go back into sports. If, if I got a phone call tomorrow, thanks for the offer. I appreciate it, but very happy. This is this is what I set out to do. Why I did sports was to get here. Why I did everything was to, was to get these opportunities, even to sit with you. Really love it. That was on. That part might be a lie. I know. I know for a. He's trying to keep his seat. I know for a fact that that's a lie. What match do you have to go call next? Today, yeah, we'll do uh, more NXT UK television. Do you know which match it is? You know what you have? Uh, Can he even tell have, us? We have a couple of them. Oh yeah, I forgot because these are going to be come out tell later. You which ones? Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. A couple of them. But tomorrow, uh, tomorrow at WrestleMania, it is Tony Nese, Buddy Murphy. So I'll call the Cruiserweight Championship match. Speaking of the NXT UK brand, though, what do you think about that match from Takeover? Um, the historic reign of Pete Dunne and just seeing it come to an end. This is Walter. crazy to think. So I called me, myself, Mauro Ranello, and Nigel McGuinness called that match. Mamma Mia. Last night, yeah, you can say that again. And Mamma Mia! It's crazy to think Pete Dunne held on to the WWE United Kingdom title longer than Brock Lesnar held on to the Universal. AJ Styles' historic run as WWE champion. Even Asuka's run as NXT women's champion. What about Nikki Bella's Divas championship run? Six. Yeah, he passed, passed it. it. Crushed it. 685 days. Almost two full years. That's like the guys above him that he hadn't surpassed, like Hulk Hogan, Bruno San Martino. How soon till Pete Dunn's on, on Raw or SmackDown, you think? I, I would love to keep him in the United Kingdom. I mean, he's a pillar. He's a cornerstone. Those aren't my decisions to make. Obviously, I'd but love... But you would have... We would all have to think that at some point, yeah, soon Soon. Very soon. There, you know, you don't know. I, I like have he, no he idea. I, I don't want him to leave, man. 
He jumps off the screen, though. He's so unique looking. He's so physical. He's the bruiser weight. I mean, he's... He has those facial expressions that let you know, like, whether he's afraid or... Not even afraid, but just, like... If he's angry, if he's gonna do something vicious, if he's just not taking you seriously, I would love, I would love Pete Dunne and Babyface Daniel Bryan one day. That would be yeah, a lot of fun, right? I'm surprised you didn't grab Pete Dunne. He walked behind you twice so he far. He did? Yeah. So that means you hold me above Pete Dunne. No. I cannot wait to tell him that. So he comes over here and snaps your phalanges like Kit Kats. I, I don't see anyone. I'm looking to see anyone. Are you really that hardly that trying to get rid of me? I don't see. I gave you a heartfelt story. That was an amazing story. I, it'll probably but, but be the, the problem with that story is that you still somehow ended up being a Sean guy. Yeah. So I mean, you had me right there, but I know the knife is somewhere. No, yeah. you don't trust. The, you don't trust yeah. Sean. Right. I mean, Brett gave Vic the glasses. He did. Uh, security guy. I thought Sean. it might have been Pete Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> it was just. But, you know, speaking of Shawn Michaels, another cool thing is I got to call halftime heat with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Most watched match in NXT history. And it was because of Shawn Michaels and the six superstars in the ring. It had nothing to do with Vic Joseph. Yeah, that's not true. I got to call a match with my idol, you know. And it was weird because Johnny Gargano was in that match, and Johnny, and, and that's Shawn's guy. What is so your connection cool. with Johnny Gargano? Are you like childhood friends? Or? We, I, when I started day one, like I said, he was there. We connected. Huge Browns fans, um, you know, lifelong Cleveland sports fans. We wear two one six, you know, all the time whenever we go out. There are a Wrestling lot of Cleveland fans, fans a around. Of, a lot of Clevelanders coming out of the wood. You want to jump on the bandwagon no. for the Browns? No, but I no, but I'm not going to lie. I think about you. Beca- you did text me. I will say this. I have texted him multiple times. Hey man, how you doing? Hey, I'm in town. Do you want to go to dinner? Not true. Hey, can we hang out? Hey, can I come on your show to just not, get a night? Simply uh, not you know, true. The These are all lies, by the can way. Can I come on your show and then the no response? Might Nothing. Be. Not true. These Nothing. are not. These are lies. Odell Beckham. That's nice, though, I thought. Isn't that nice? It was very thoughtful. I I, even had my number saved, which I'm pretty sure you (laughs) had to ask somebody, hey, does anybody have Vic's number? No, no. You had to go through your Rolodex. That's not what happened. I had to, because I never cared enough to save it, it was just a random number. So I just searched for your name, and oh, then the like the this two one six. I think that's the Cleveland area. Code. Right. I'm going to go out on a limb and think this is. Vic. I thought it was Mrs. Uh, best buddy Nate. Oh, Nate Zagura. I've known Nate uh, for, for like thirty dude. years. Yeah, yeah. I, it turned out it was you. So I, it was actually an accidental text. Um, I might have said, "Hey, Nate." So I apologize in advance if so that happened. I guess when you see Nate, congratulations. No, but the funny thing is, we because when I work, you know, we you and I have worked a bunch of Sundays during football season. So everyone's got their teams. Like, so the football fans are like Vic and I are two of the of people that are quote unquote talent. Sure, We're, there's only a handful that are like really on their phone on football day. Uh, there are some Seth crew people. Rollins on his phone. Seth is into Miz, it. Miz, myself. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else gathers around. Well, a former talent, Tony Chimmel. So no yeah, one can yeah. say I never put over Tony Chimmel. Tony Chimmel, um, Redskins fan who never remembered me, no matter how many times I he's met a him. Redskins fan that wears Philly jerseys. I, I don't, he's, right? he's a fraud. That's, that's on you now. Yeah, I know. That's on you being a Redskins to, fan and not helping him. I know. You know, I should have fixed that, but I didn't know him well enough. But yeah, so I would always think about Cleveland because, like, I watched him go through these gut wrenching days, including last year, which turned out to be a great season. But it was the day of the missed. Oh my! I extra remember, points. So, so it was the, the um, week two. It was the uh, Saints game where the where Tyrod Taylor threw a 55 yard touchdown to Galloway. They tied the game. I'm sitting in the stands. You can audibly hear me. Yelling. No, no one's in the arena. And I'm yelling, running around, and they missed four extra points. Then it was terrible weather, right? 
It was rain. It was pouring rain, right? No, it was in the dome. That makes it even worse. Oh, they were at New Orleans, and I was so angry. Like people are, like, hey, I'm sorry, man. It, it was like my my dog died. You know, people I was know. People know that. Upset. Yeah, no, and, and like when things happen to Cleveland, behind his back, we'll also kind of be like, oh, Vic. Oh. Ah, uh, Vic. And he's already miserable because he comes in here with a bad attitude every day. That's what I got to tell you, though, you do seem very positive for you right now. It's WrestleMania, man. You're very... And I'm sitting with you guys. Yeah, you're very up. I'm excited. You almost just shattered my image of Vic because this is about the second or third time I've seen him, and he seems like an upbeat, nice, positive, happy-go-lucky guy. If you stay around me for about a week... <laughs> you will be change. Like, oh, that's Vic being Vic. Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah. he is a weird, weird. strange individual yeah, with a really dark strange. sense of humor. Yeah, Billy Kidman says that I'm the most, I'm the oddest person he's ever met in sports entertainment. But you turn it on and off. It's charm, baby. His name is Vic Joseph. You watch him on so many things, but mostly two hundred five live, two hundred five live, and NXT UK. NXT UK, yeah. You're doing a great job, bud. I'm I happy for you. It. And you really are a solid, solid play by play. So, yeah, you're making me bright. I agree. I, I told I, I was trying to put over 205 Live on the podcast. The Cheap Heat Universe seems to be split, but I'm telling you, man, 205 Live is the thing. Like, yeah, you re, you really did put over 205 Live this week. Well, just wait till WrestleMania. Tony Nese, Buddy Murphy, they're gonna put on a show. Dude, Buddy Murphy, I got to tell you, from a physical standpoint, body wise, reminds me a lot of myself. <laughs> Do you, have, you you don't notice it? What, like like what? Like what you dream what you age? look what like? What age, Rosenberg? Like before you wake up when you're asleep, that's what you think you look like? Oh, I mean, no, no, you don't resemble. No, it's where I'm going. It's where I think I'm going to be. If you were like the okay, opposite yeah, yeah. of Buddy Murphy, that'd be more. Well, I'm, I, I consider us buddies. There's that, you know. What? No. I love Murphy Brown. Okay. Murphy, that's, that, Murphy, that's not that bad, actually, Murphy Brown. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Vic. Thanks, you guys. Um, there's a security guy coming over. We gotta wrap this. Oh, is that the guy you guys are gonna <laughs> yep. yeah, like, Steve. Security. Security Steve. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Not if this has been addressed anymore, but what, ex- what exactly were you thinking? What was the motivation behind challenging Walter? Because you don't, what did you have to prove, at, I guess, was the question. So I think when it comes to Walter, um, it's a match that, it, it's happened once in a very small building in Germany in front of about 150 people. Um, but it's never happened on a bigger scale and that's always been a match that people in the UK and Europe have always wanted to see um, he's gone and he's done he's done his own he's done great in his own right in, in other companies while I've been here and I've made my name throughout this company and it's it felt like it was inevitable um, and I think it's important for that title for that brand that that, that match happened um, because it, you know it, it is it is potentially one of the best in Europe one of the best in the UK and it's important that them, those kind of matches happen while while we're in this era while it is our time to, to make names for ourselves and I, and I was just talking to Pete on ESPN you can watch the interview on YouTube about how much he was talking about how much the title meant to him but I was saying now how much he has meant to that title because he's become synonymous and it does that much more for Walter now because of what Pete has done with that title um I think it's a really, it's really cool. Should, should that match, it's awesome that it happened here. Is it bittersweet that that was a match that wasn't in the UK? Uh, in a way, um, but I will say, doing, doing those kind of matches, the same with the one with Tyler at, at Chicago, and even the same when it comes to war games and stuff, as much as I'd love to, to have takeover in the UK all the time, it is important for us to come over here and, and, and tell the rest of the world, because the UK fans want a UK company. But we need the rest of the world to feel that too. And I feel like the start of that was myself and Tyler doing that in Chicago. And there hasn't been a, a title match 
a UK title match on a takeover in the US since then. So I think it, it, it is important that those those some of those big moments happen out here in the states as well. Did Tyler ever tell you I was uh, I was in Chicago that day? Um, I think that might have been the only time I did a kickoff show for NXT. Was was that was so. that one? And you got called up. Yeah, at a random. Or I, 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 I was doing the Sunday show, and for some reason, I don't know why, I ended up on that show. And um, the next after your match, which I watched in um, talent viewing, which in Chicago is weird. It's like basically just a monitor right outside of Gorilla. It's like, and after your match, Tyler was just sitting around. And um, everyone, you guys knew right away how good it was. And I was relatively unfamiliar with both of you and was kind of just, like, taken aback. And I told you the story, I think. Yeah. Pat Patterson, who doesn't know you guys at the time from a hole in the wall, because Pat comes in and out to what he pays attention to, right? And he goes up to Tyler and is just like, I just watched Pat. I don't see him do that very often in my time around, like kind of gush about how amazing your match was. Did Tyler ever tell you that Pat Patterson was blown away by the match, or did you ever talk to him? Yeah, I talked to him. He was the first person I saw when I came to the back, and they qu- they quickly told me how that doesn't happen. I've never seen it, it. ever yeah. happen. So we were made very aware very quick. Because to be honest, when you're out there, it's it's kind of difficult to know how you're doing. You know, yeah, you're not looking at Twitter while you're in the middle of your right. match, right? And even even in those buildings that big, the reactions aren't the same. When you, we're used to smaller independent shows where all five, six, seven hundred people, you can see every face, you can hear every word. It's a very different different atmosphere. So when you're in there, we wasn't really aware that people were standing up over and over again. So we thought, oh, it went well, that was fine. And then I walk into the back and then meet it with Pat Patterson first, and then it, onto. Road Dog, Triple H, all these people I grew up watching and getting compliments from them. But then I was pulled away immediately, so I didn't even see Tyler. I got pulled away to the, I think it was for the ESPN actually, an interview over the phone. And on the phone, the guy said to me, How does it feel that you just had match of the year? And I, oh, I guess we did then. I still wasn't aware. And it wasn't until maybe a day or two after that we really sat down and watched the match and we saw the the crowd reactions throughout and the standing ovations multiple times and stuff that we realised the gravity of what of what we'd done um, but yeah we were definitely made very clear of when it comes to people like Pat and that, that's what one of the things I'm most proud of is those people and people like especially when it's when it's the British guys when it's people like Regal uh, Robbie Brookside Fit Finley Dave Taylor when you get the nod of approval from those guys that was when I felt, felt like okay I get this now you know I'm, I'm on the right path it's interesting when you mentioning the um, the sound too, because it makes you realize how much even crazier it must be at Mania, because it's such a huge building. Yep. So, like for example, when Nice and Murphy have their match, it's early in the show. Yeah, but it's still going to be probably like twenty thousand people. Maybe 30, more. 000. It could be forty, fifty thousand. But be, if unless it's the friggin' Undertaker, the amount of noise, even if there's a good amount of it, it's so delayed because it's such a huge building. It's sort of the more the, I found the more people are wrestling in front of the more lonely it feels in the ring. It's sort of the, the reverse effect. When you do those, those progress shows, the fight club shows, and the crowd are right up close, you can see every face, you can see you can see how you're emotionally affecting them. And then the bigger the bigger the show that you do... It's a wide, it's just a it's sea just of people. Dark. You just don't see anything. Yeah. The way that intimacy that you feel yeah. in the title Which sense. is a big adjustment for people like us, and I've learned a lot in the last two and a half years of doing doing these kind of matches and I think it was a learning curve for Water last night as well to be able to to go out there and see a completely different side to, to wrestling than he's, than he's ever seen before 
Wow. Do you feel pressure to keep putting on these types of matches? Because, I mean, it's, it's a self-inflicted wound in a way because you come out, you smash it, and then you come out again, and then you smash it again, and then you go into war games, and you're standing on top of the cage, title in your mouth. And this is like what people come to expect from Pete Dunne. So I've, I've never let myself feel pressure. I just don't. Uh, enough's gone wrong in wrestling over the last <laughs> 13 years that, that, like, so many things have happened where you just have to recover and make the most of it. And sometimes it makes for a better organic moment, right? So I never let myself feel any pressure. I just go out there, go to work, and then... Uh, I mean, I think sometimes they want more emotion out of me. I walk back through the curtain, and I'm just back to my normal self. But it's just my way of dealing with that. what what could be pressure. You know, I don't... I'm not the kind of person that would sit there on camera and pour my heart out about something, even when it does mean a lot, right? So um, when I go home and I sit there in my house, and i got my, my baby there, and I'm, I'm focusing back on... The real world, for lack of a better term, that's more when it settles in what we've done, right? At the, at the time, I just go, okay, let's go to work, let's do it. Were you a scrappy kid coming up, or nerdy, or what was your deal? So I, I wrestled as a kid. You have I, siblings? Yeah, I got a brother and a sister. Yeah. Are you the, are you the oldest or the youngest? I'm the middle. You're the middle. Oh yeah. 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 So you definitely were scrappy. Are you serious? Yeah, I scrap my brother all the time. But I see, see, I was wrestling from 12 years old, so my whole. My, like teenage years were all spent just doing this. I'd be at school thinking about this, and then I'd I'd be on the roads on the weekend. How are you wrestling at twelve years old? Like, just how does that happen? Probably illegally. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know the laws on that one. But. And were you good right away? Like, it, it just it, you took to it right away. Uh, everyone told me I was quite natural to it. I mean, as natural as a twelve year old could be. Do you know what I mean? What what didn't come natural was the the character side of it, for lack of a better term. But the athletic part did. Yeah, the, the physical side of wrestling, because I, I, w- I wouldn't be scared to get in there. And I trained with people a hell of a lot older than me, right? So I was used to getting beaten up and, and uh, shoved around. So that side of it, I felt like, came to me quite naturally. And But the, the side that didn't was the, you know, creating an image for yourself, who you are, and, and getting that across to an audience. That's that, interesting, because that part seems so natural, too. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's 13 years of trial and error. And, and even now, uh, when I watched the package that played before the match with Walter yesterday, as soon as I came up on the screen from the first one, uh, Matt Bloom turned to me and said, it's not even the same person. So even within this short short space of time of, of 700 days, it's the the change in me physically, the way I yeah. look, the way I wrestle, all of that. It's, it's still trial and error as we go. Um, and that's the great thing about NXT, right? And especially with NXT UK, it's almost like a precursor to developmental you know what I mean? It's even a, an earlier opportunity to. But it's we, but you're in a weird spot because everybody who knows their ass from a hole in the wall knows that you could be on the main roster tomorrow. Yeah. Like you're not. So we're that, actually praying for it. 